And it is found in Proverbs 22, uh, 6. And so if you could put that up, I'm going to read it in the Amplified. I don't know if you have that, but if you have it in the Amplified version, it reads like this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, he or she, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Notice what it says here. Teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. In the TPT, the, the, uh, tra um, the Passion Translation, it reads like this. Dedicate your children to God and point them in the way they should go. And, their, and the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. See, it's about pointing them to God. That is really the primary responsibility of a father, is to point them to God. And while those scriptures tell us what we should, that scripture tells us what we should do, what I want to lay out is what that looks like and how to do it. And so there are seven points that I want to talk about that are attributes of what I believe a godly father. There may be more, but I'm just going to pause on these seven today. The first one is, and if you could put that up, godly fathers love their family. There's two scriptures that I want to read to you. One of them comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, and it says, for husbands, this means, and this is out of the New Living Translation, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Don't you know, fathers, especially those who are married, but even those who may not be married to their children's mother, fathers, the example that you set for your children by the way you treat your wife will speak volumes to them about who they go out to meet and how they respond to the opposite sex in their life. It does. It speaks a lot. There's another scripture in Psalm 103, verse 13, and it reads this. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. I want to talk about three things that I see in these two scriptures. One of them is appreciation and affection. We should appreciate our children. The Bible says that our children are a gift from God to us. And we should show appreciation to our children. And the way you show appreciation to them is you show it by giving them time. You show it by being involved in the things that are important to them. You show it by, being, uh, uh, by showing them affection. I've hugged many fathers. I've talked to many fathers. I'm talking about fathers, grown men who never have had, had a hug from their father. Many grown women who never had a hug from their father. Your affection, the way you treat your daughter, the way you treat your son will determine how they will treat others. The way that you show them, the affection that you show them, the value, it speaks about the value of who they are. 
most of the time when I run into people who have low self-esteem, part of the reason is because they have not been shown appreciation and affection from their parents, especially the father. There's something about a father when he speaks to his children, when he interfaces with his children, when he shows them affection, there's something that speaks, that speaks to their spirit, that speaks to their soul and says and calls them into their destiny. Something that says, I am somebody because my father says I am. So it's important, fathers, when we talk about loving, it's important to give them undivided attention and time. I heard it said that how you spell love, T-I-M-E, the time that you spend with your children. And I'm not just talking about when they're little, and I'm not talking about fathers. Don't wait till they get 10, 10, 12, 13. Start when they're in the cradle. Giving them attention, holding them, hugging them. Do you know that there was a study done in one of the Soviet, one of the uh, uh, communist countries where they took children and they put them, they just separated them. And one set of children, they fed them, they cleaned them, and they, they, they did all of the basic things, but they never showed them any affection. They never held them. They never cuddled them. They never spoke to them. And the other set, they did all of those things, but they did the affectionate part. They showed them. They gave them time and attention. All of the children that they did nothing with other than basic things all died. True story. This is a true study. But the ones who had affection, the ones who were held, the ones who were cuddled, the ones who you took time to spend with them, those were the ones that became healthy. I can think about times when I used to take my children to school and times when I used to pick them up from school and times when I used to take time and I would look at my schedule and I would look at their school schedule and I would say, okay, you have a field trip here. I'm going to take time, vacation time to go on that field trip. And you could see their chest just even though most of them were taller than me, especially by the time they got into middle school. And that was still, that's my dad there, you know. It's an important thing, fathers, the attention and the time. You want to take the time to go into their world. Each one of your children are unique. We are all unique. Your children are, are not all the same. And so take the time to study each one of them. Take the time to sit with each one of them and minister to their uniqueness. Don't treat them all the same because they're not all the same. But they're unique. They're individual. See? I treat my daughter one way. I treat my son another way. They're unique and individual. And sometimes you have to take the time to get into their world. Like some of the times, you know, I walk into my son's room. What do you want, Dad? And he would go, I would go, let's play video games. I know you're going to kick my behind, but anyway, I'm here. Let's do this thing. And if I ever won a round, I go, yes! You know, 
But that was something that I didn't have to say anything. Just spending that time bonding with them. I just take my daughter on dates sometimes. Spending that time with them is unique. I remember my daughter was in high school, and there was a young man that approached her, and he didn't approach her the right way. And the verbal bashing that she gave him made me cringe. Because she says, you're not going to treat me like this because my daddy don't treat me like this. And you ain't my daddy, so you need to take your little, she didn't use any, she didn't use any profanity. But by the time she got finished with it, I was like, girl, ooh, wow. Oh, my God. I'm hurting for that guy. But it was because there was a way that she had been raised. There was a nature inside of her that I had imparted to her because I was willing to spend time. A daughter's affirmation comes from her father. Do you know that? When the father says, you are my princess, when the father says, you are my baby, I still, my daughter's grown, and I still call her baby girl. Hey, baby girl, because what you have to understand is what a father says is who they take on. What a father says about them or the lack of what he says about them will determine how they are treated uh, for young ladies, how they allow other men to treat them and what they go searching for in a man. So fathers, you want to be connected. Whether you are living with the mother or whether you are not living with the mother, stay connected with your children. And if you're living with the mother, treat the mother right. And your child, because there are so many things that are caught and not taught. They will watch you. Sit down with at the TV and watch their TV shows. It may not interest you, but it should, they should interest you enough for you to have an interest in what they're watching. Pay attention to what's going on in the schools. One of the things that we used to do, we used to ask our kids, what are you learning? What are you talking about? Pay attention to the friends that they're hanging around with. There's so many people that say, it's not about the things, it's about the relationship. So many of us in this day and age are so, uh, um, so pressing towards the things. And we give our children all these things, but we don't give them ourselves. And what a child is really wanting from you is you. Not as much the things you can get for them as the things, time you spend with them. So a father, when you love a child, when you love your family, you love your wife, you love the mother of your child, you will, you will impart things into that child, be they male or female. For the young boys, they will grow up understanding. You see, when the father's not around, there's no one in the mirror for him to imitate. When the father, so what he does is he goes looking in the street. You know, I read a little clip from Tupac, and Tupac, some of y'all may know who Tupac is, but he talked about the lack of his father and how he went to the streets to find that figure. How they go to the games to find that figure. How they go to drugs to medicate 
something that they're missing inside of them. And so I want you to understand how valuable and how important it is for you to spend that time, for you to spend that, give them the affection, for you to have that attention to them. The second attribute that I want to talk about is fathers lead their family. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, it says this. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors, your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land we now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Fathers set the culture in the house. Fathers, you don't follow the culture, you set the culture. Whether you like it or not, you set the culture in the house. You are the one that determines what will happen. You are the one that everybody will look to, whether you like it or not, they will look to you to determine what the culture in the house is. What are the rules? What are the things? How do we function in this house? That is all set by the father, father figure in the house. That is all set by the father. He is the one that determines what the culture is. Like in my house, we didn't sleep in until 1 o'clock, not even on Saturday. My father was a military guy. By 9 o'clock, you better be up and at it. And so... My kids were up and had it growing up. And it built certain things. My father was one who would protect his children. You know? My father was one who determined that hard work pays off. And so all of our, all five of us, all five of us grew up working hard. All five of us believe, because my father set the culture. It was my father that says this, son, and he told all of us this, you can do anything you want to do. Where there's a will, there's a way. So I've always believed that. So I never look at my skin color when it comes to anything. I just look at the level of determination I have to get there. And that's all that matters to me. Because I know if I try hard enough, if I work hard enough, if I work smart enough, I'll get there. And so my father set this kind of culture in our house. He told us that education was important. So we spent our summers reading books. Because he said, once you get it up here, nobody can take it from you. So we spent our summers diving into books, reading books, understanding what life was all about. We never, we, we never looked at anything else. He told us that you would judge other people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. And so when growing up, we had all kind of friends. And when we talked about our friends coming into the house, we didn't say uh, Johnny, the little white boy down the street. We say Johnny coming in. That's all we said. You know, Mike's coming in, Julie's coming in, and they say, okay, bring them on in. They didn't know what nationality, what ethnicity they were, 
because that's not the way they brought us up. He set a culture to say, you're no better than anyone, but you're no worse than anyone. So anytime that I looked at somebody, and I've been in front of presidents, vice presidents, I've been in front of movie stars and professional athletes, I don't have one autograph. Now, that, that might have been a mistake, because I might have could have sold it for some money. But the fact of the matter is that I didn't look at them any different than I looked at myself. I respected positions. I respected the things that they had attained. But I didn't look down on myself because they had maybe a little more than I had. Because my father set that culture and that example. The father is the one that establishes the vision. Without a vision, people, without a vision, people, fathers are the one that sets the vision. They establish the visions in the home. When you see children that are achieving, it's usually because the father has set a vision for his children. He has set a purpose for their life. He is calling them into their destiny, not, not dwelling on their shortcomings. But he's calling them into their destiny. He's setting a purpose. He's saying that there's a purpose. I remember when uh, 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 there's an article, uh, uh, video that I was looking at from Miles Monroe. And he says, when I got married, I didn't have much, but I had a vision. Well, we know what he came on to be. Very, a very profound, very a successful person in ministry, in kingdom-mindedness. And, and so it's because he had a vision. Sit down. If you don't have a vision for your family, sit down. Mark out a vision, Father. Talk about where you want to see your family be. All of, our, all of my brothers and sisters, there was five of us. Now, my mother came from a family of 18. And all of them that grew to be adults, the majority of them had college degrees. The majority of them were successful in life. Why? Because the father set an example. My grandfather set an example. I remember spending time with him in the summers in Alabama during the time when there was overt racism. But my grandfather set such an example that that, that, that wasn't even on their radar. They, he pointed them to God in such a way that they always had a a, a leg, uh, 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 an interest and a, a passion towards the things of God. Amen. To this day, that legacy still goes on. When you think about it, a father is one that sets the boundaries in this house. Boundaries. I remember I was watching a, a, a video, I was studying something about trauma, and this one girl said that I didn't think my father cared for me because he never set any boundaries. He always let me do whatever I wanted to do. And to her that spoke, he don't really care enough. Set some boundaries. Set some boundaries. We, we set boundaries with our kids. You can go here, but you can't go there. You can do this, and, but you can't do that. We'll tolerate this, but we won't tolerate that. 
And so when you set boundaries, what it tells your kid, you, you, you know, a lot of people say, well, my, I don't know why my kid is asking, because you don't set any boundaries. <laughs> Children are master psychologists. They will press you and press you until they hit the boundary. And if there's no boundary, they're going to keep pressing on. So you must set boundaries for our children. It's important. It allows them to be able to interface in a proper way with authority figures throughout life when we set boundaries. They understand authority. They understand how to submit to authority. They understand what it looks like. So when you're not setting boundaries, you're not allowing your children to, to come into a place of success. Because like it or not, I don't care if you run your own business, there's still always authority that you got to submit to. No matter who you are, no matter what you do. The third thing, the, the third attribute that I want to talk about is fathers provide for their family. In 1 Timothy 5, it says this. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his, of his household, he is denied, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Proverbs 13.22 says this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children to supply for their needs. Did you hear that? We supply for their needs. The scripture says in Philippians, and my God shall supply for all of your needs. Huh? And sometimes our children would come to us and they would say, well, you know, I want these Air Jordans. I'm like, that ain't a need. Tennis shoes are a need, but Air Jordans are not a need. <laughs> if we can afford it, you might get it. But if we can't, you're going to get the Bobos. <laughs> Whatever the brand was, that's what you got. And it won't make you jump a little higher or run a little faster if you don't have Jordans. The scripture said, and we have to help our children to understand the difference between needs, wants, and desires. And I'm going to speak about that in just a moment. But when it talks about supplying for our needs, the average father does a great job providing for financial needs. But that's when we fall off the boat. Because we don't supply for their spiritual needs. Which is even more important. And what I mean by when I talk about supplying for spiritual needs, I'm talking about you being in the scriptures. I'm talking about you being in prayer. I'm talking about your children seeing you praying to God, seeing you reading the word of God. I'm talking about you talking to your children about God. In the Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, all day long, you should lead them. I remember my children would say, Dad, you don't have to give us a sermonette before you discipline us. Just discipline us. We hate to hear the sermonettes before you discipline us. But I wanted them to understand the why. 
And I wanted to share with them that the same things that I was calling them to were the same things I was submitting myself to. See? They have to understand that you need to supply for their spiritual needs as well. Remember, in going back to Proverbs 22, it says, pointing them towards the Lord, teaching them about God. And in order to do so, that is a vital thing because long after you're gone, when they have moved away, when they're gone off to college, don't you know statistics show that about 80% of kids that leave from Christian homes and go to colleges fall away from the Lord? You know why? Because they don't have their own relationship. They were riding on yours. And so it's important for you to help them establish their own relationship with the Lord. It is important that you have, that you provide for their relational needs. I've, I, I, I've counseled people who I walk in their home and I'm going, driver's education for a private school and these kids would come out and for the next two hours all they complained about was I never see him I never get to spend time with him I got a motorcycle I got a car and I got a jeep and I'm not even 16 yet but I don't have my father because he's always gone working making money you see how important it is to provide for that relational need. Take them out. Take them fishing. I was listening to a message, and, uh, and, and I've sat at the bedside of some people. Unfortunately, when you do what I do, you do that sometimes. And I've never heard one of them say, I wish I had more time to make more money. It was all about, always about relationships. It was all about relationships. So when you take that time to spend that time with your children, when you take them out fishing, and it don't have to be nothing expensive. Sometimes it's just throwing the ball with them. Sometimes it's just sitting down playing a bit. Sometimes watching a movie. Sometimes color. Sometimes jumping rope with them. Girls. Daddy's getting wore out. Yeah, Daddy, but this is fun. Yeah. But it's that taking time, it's that spending time, you're relating to them, you're entering into their world, they feel that relationship, and that's it's so vitally important. It's important in, how, in, in the careers that they choose. I remember when they would have go take, uh, the fathers or, or parents come and share. You know, I would go to the school, and I had so many kids write letters. And I showed up in the school, I remember it. I had 20-something letters, and all I did was stood there and encouraged some young kids. I told them that, you know, I had a degree in electrical engineering. They said, wow, you must be smart. I said, no, I'm just committed. You can achieve the same thing. I remember spending time going on, on a field trip, overnight field trip with them, and all these kids writing letters. I still have some of the letters. They wrote letters because... They appreciate that a father was there. I remember when I walked through the door for that field trip that the, 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 the teacher looked and says, may I help you, sir? And I said, so I'm here for the field trip. And she went, a father. There's a father. There's a father here. And I'm like, hold on now. Don't. 
don't lose it. <laughs> I'm just doing my responsibility because so many times it bothers me. Guys, we need to balance our times. It's important that we provide financially, but it's also important that we provide relationally. It's also important that we provide spiritually to the needs of our children. We need to balance that time so that our children are well-rounded, so they, they don't become workaholics, so that they understand when they have families that it's important to do both, to work, but also to spend time with your children, to spend time with your family. We have to help them to understand that wants and needs have to be earned. We have a lot of people walking around who feel entitled. Why? Because they've been given everything. And they had to work for nothing, you know. I see people coming up talking about, where's my allowance? And I'm like, allowance. I say, I tried that when I was young. And my, and my, my father says, I'll allow you to live in this house. <laughs> I'll allow you to eat at my table. I'll allow you to wear the clothes that I put on your back. You got your allowance. So I didn't grow up feeling entitled. I grow up feeling, understanding that dad would supply for my needs. But if, for, if I have wants, that requires some dedication and some work for me. And see, it's all these things that occur when you spend time with your children. Point number four, fathers impart wisdom and counsel. It says in Proverbs 2, 1, it says, my child, Listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concern with, uh, on understanding. In Proverbs uh, 4, 1, it says, My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will live, have a long life. In Proverbs number uh, 5, verse 1, it says, Son, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. You see, wisdom is defined as the ability or result of an ability to think and act, utilizing knowledge, experience, understanding, and common sense. That's what wisdom is. Fathers impart wisdom. I'm not saying that mothers don't, but I'm telling you that fathers, they impart wisdom. And they impart counsel. Fathers, when you see them, this is what they do. When they sit down and they talk to their children about life, when they show them about life, when they help them walk through life, when they provide an example of what that looks like in their life, they impart wisdom. And one of the things that I say to parents a lot when I'm counseling is I tell them there's a time of dictating. That's usually up to about age 11. At age 12, you can throw the dictator out. But now you become an advisor. And you start to advise your children. You start to counsel your children. You let them start to make some decisions, and then you counsel with them about the decisions that they make. See? And that's how they learn. That's how they grow. It's not my way or the highway. No. 
about, hey, I've imparted some things to you, Keith. Let me see what you've learned. Let me see what you've attained. Let me see what you've retained. And the way that you do that is you allow them and you counsel and you advise them, you know. Along the way, you know, our children would do things and come into things. And I remember the first time one of my kids had a tattoo. Okay. I say, oh, Lord. <laughs> and the Lord says, don't major in the minor. That was a minor thing. He wasn't caught up. They wasn't caught up in drugs, him or her. They both have tattoos. And I'm like, hey, okay. That's what you want to do with your body? You see, we have to understand that our children need guidance. And from the time they're about 12 to the time they're about 24, you're pretty stupid, parents. And then about 24, 25, they start to figure it out. You're pretty smart. <laughs> so along the way, instead of trying to dictate their lives, be a counselor in their lives. And when they mess up, instead of saying, I told you so, say, what did you learn from it? See? It's not about us being right and them being wrong. It's about leading and guiding and directing. It's about bringing them into a place where they learn who they are and how to make their own decisions and how to do things for themselves, how to make this decision and how to make that decision. There's some people right now that they can't make a decision. They sit there and they go, what do I do? What do I do? Make a decision. But we teach them that in the home. We teach them how to make decisions. When they come into crisis and when they come into situations and circumstances, they have a fight at school or something like that. Instead of just coming down on them, you talk to them and you find out what was the issue, what, what happened. How could you have handled that better? And you lead them in the scriptures. You lead them by the word of God, through the word of God. Sometimes just by watching you, letting your children be around you, they gain wisdom. They gain knowledge and understanding. By letting them be involved in the things that you do. Like sometimes those of you who work on cars, you do the minor things, you know, change the oil or this or that or the other. Let your kids come out. Let them see you doing different things. When you do those things, they may not ever want to do it, but at least they know how to do it. So if they get in the pinch, they can do it. We learn. We're teaching our children. We're involved in our children's life. Remember, they are our responsibility. Remember the scripture I gave you at the very beginning of this, which says you train up the children in a way. That, not the government. You train up the children in a way they should go. We don't give them to the government. We don't give them to other people. We don't put them in daycares and put them in front of TVs. But we engage in their lives because the responsibility for raising them up is ours. Number five, fathers provide correction. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to read one scripture here. Proverbs 15, 22. 
says a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Discipline should be age appropriate. Not talking about you getting out of belt and welling on your children. That ain't discipline. That's you being mad about something and taking it out on your child. That should never happen. If I was that upset with my child, I would always wait. I would always wait. I would never discipline my children when I was emotionally angry. Because that is not the time. That, that is not going to be discipline. That is going to me, be me taking out my frustration on them. Most abusers talk to. Most people that are abusers have been abused. And so they're passing on what's been imparted to them. And so what we want to understand is that while discipline is necessary, make sure it's age appropriate. And I want to give you this little tip, make sure it is appropriate to their personality type. You can't treat every child the same. Some children, you can come in and you can scream out. I had a brother. You come in here, I'm going to tear you behind up. And da, 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 da. He look at him like, come on. Me? I take off running. Catch me if you can. So every child, when you discipline them, it has to be appropriate to their personality and to their age. Discipline should be administered with love and understanding. See, when I'm talking about, when I'm talking about correction, I'm talking about love. A child should always know that what you're doing from, I used to hate my parents when they would say, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I'm like, how is it that my behind is on fire and yours is not? <laughs> but as I grew into adulthood, I understood a little more. That they didn't really want to have to do it but they needed to do it to get my attention. And as I got older, the spankings were not effective anymore. You have to take things away that they cherish and that they want. See, because spanking's over in the moment. You know, you feel a little fire and then it's like, yeah, okay, take it off, I'm ready. But some other things may be a little more long lasting, a little more penetrating. So when I'm saying that, it should always be love and understanding that goes along. See, because the scripture said that God, what? He loved those who he corrects. And if he's not correcting you, if you write, I want you to write this down. I want you to note this down. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. He spells this out in a lot more detail. That scripture that I gave you, uh, Proverbs 3:11. Um, he talks about that, but he spells it out a lot more. He says, if he's not disciplining you, then you're probably none of his. Because those who he loves, he will discipline, he will correct. And so when a father doesn't discipline or correct a child, it mean, might mean that the father doesn't love the child. But the discipline always has to be appropriate. 
Number six, and I'm almost done. Number six says, godly fathers demonstrate forgiveness. Most of you know the, the story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, verses, it starts at verse 20 and it goes right on through. You see, that child, when he left home, he said, Father, give me everything that belongs to me. I want my inheritance now. Some of y'all probably would have went, go on out there with your bad self, but you ain't getting nothing from me. Does that sound like our Heavenly Father? Hmm? You know what keeps me humble? You know what keeps me uh, uh, dealing with my young adult children in a proper way? It's how many times the Father allowed me to screw up and he didn't walk away from me. See? So before I go pointing the finger, and it allows me to also minister to other people. Because I look at the way the Father has treated me. And I say, you know, if I looked at all the mistakes and all the times that I messed up and all the times that I screwed up, but the Father still loved me through it, then I can do the same for others. And so when I look at this thing here, it says, a father should always be willing to release and ask for forgiveness. Sometimes our children are not going to do what we want them to do. Sometimes they're going to sin. Sometimes they're not going to do the right thing or say the right thing. Or they may speak to you in a manner that's not appropriate. Always be willing to forgive. And sometimes you may act in a way that you shouldn't act. And sometimes you may say things that you shouldn't say. Either to them or to someone else in their presence. Don't be too proud or too, too full of pride to ask for forgiveness. You know, I, I, both of my kids, there are times when I've said, hey, I screwed this up. I didn't do this right. I went about it the wrong way. I spoke to you the wrong way. Will you forgive me? You see, that's how they learn to forgive and to be forgiven. It's by how we release and ask for it. I want you to understand that forgiveness, we must do it. The Bible says, in the same way you forgive, you shall be forgiven. It's not a question of should we, it's a question of will we. And I'm saying to you fathers, so many times you can become frustrated, you can become uh, uh, disappointed with the things that your children, but always as the father in this story was when he saw his son coming before his son even said a word notice this that the, the father didn't wait till his son came to him and said oh I'm so sorry I did this wrong I did that no the father saw him in the distance and went running towards him with his arms wide open and he fell on him and kissed him Now, there's a difference between forgiveness and restoration. Restoration requires repentance, but forgiveness doesn't. See, I can forgive you no matter whether you believe 
what you've done was wrong or, or not. But restoration is a different story. You see, the father restored his son because his son had, had repented. When his son got to him and he said, Father, I, I really don't even deserve to be your nothing but a servant. I don't deserve to be your son anymore because of how badly I messed up. The father says, hey, son, you will always be my son. He celebrated his son returning. It doesn't matter how much you're serious. And some of you are dealing with children that are wayward right now. Some of you, I was wayward for a while in my life. And you're dealing with children wayward. And, and I would tell you, release forgiveness. Express your love to them. It's not about always about who's, being, who's right. But who's releasing love? The love of God. And the Father says in Romans chapter 5, while you were still sinners, Christ died. You understand what he's saying? He said, before you came and confessed to me, before you repented, before you did all of these things, I was already releasing love to you. I was already letting you know that you are mine, that I love you. See? Why? It says uh, in that famous verse, John 3, 16, for God to love the world that he gave. See? Why did he? Why did he so love the world? Because we are made in his image and in his likeness. Why should you extend love to your children? Because they're made in your image and in your likeness. They carry your DNA. They're part of you. So that's why we should always be willing to forgive. And we should always seek rest, reconciliation and restoration. The scripture said that he has given to all of us the ministry of reconciliation. Always be willing to reconcile with your children. It's very important. You want to pass on a legacy, and this is how we keep the legacy of God going on. It's fathers stepping up to the plate, fathers doing the things. The fathers, I celebrate you, those fathers who have released fatherhood to their children. Those fathers who have looked around and said, I don't have my own children, but I see this child over here. And he needs a father figure. She needs a father figure. So, there are so, so, so many. Quit pointing at the world and talking about how bad they are. But roll up your sleeves and engage with them and bring them into the destiny of what they're supposed to be. So many times we say, well, this generation has just gone crazy. Why? Maybe because we haven't done our job. Maybe because we're not willing to engage with them. Fatherlessness is at an epidemic proportion in these United States of America. Somebody said we have a sin problem. And I heard somebody else say, no, we have a fatherless problem. When fathers step up, and fathers, I celebrate you today. As I go to my last point. Fathers, I celebrate you today. Those of you who put in the time and put in the work, you don't have to be perfect. That's why forgiveness is there. 
you have to be purposeful. You don't always have to be right, but you have to be righteous. And so we want you. The last thing that I will say to you, fathers, is this. Fathers provide an example worth following. Paul, the apostle, said this in 1 Corinthians 11. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. In Proverbs 27, it says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. I will say this to you, fathers. You see your kids doing something? More than likely, they saw you doing something. You know? I see my kids, sometimes they see me. I say, where you get that from? <laughs> yeah, I saw you in the mirror. Trying to, trying to get your boogie on, you know? Children will watch you. I remember T.D. Jakes once saying that he was shaving one day and he saw his son in the back. Trying to... Children will catch what you're doing. So give them, model something that's worth following. Live your life in such a way that your children can look at you and see an example of a man that is led by God of a man who is intimate with the father of fathers, of a man who is willing to submit himself to the lordship and the fatherhood of the father. We want to be examples for our children. I don't believe in the saying that says, do as I say. I believe in the saying that says, do as I do. Because I think that has more impact in a child's life things that I have shared with you today in these seven points what I've shared is the attributes of a man that is led by God, not a perfect man you think of Abraham he was a liar, you think of Isaac he lied too, you think of Jacob he was a twister, trickster but all of these men are held up by the word of God as the patriarchs the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Notice, he didn't say Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. What he's letting us know. He said that David was a man after his own heart. But David had issues. All throughout Scripture, Moses had issues. All throughout scriptures, we find men that had issues and, and, and had their, their shortcomings and had their weaknesses. Paul says, in my weaknesses, strength is made perfect because Paul had his issues. All of them had their issues. Peter had his issues. But they will all have one thing in common. These men were men who were led by God. So my challenge and my charge to you, fathers, is to allow the Lord to lead you. And you will be a successful father. Allow the Lord to lead you. 
and your children will have an example to follow that will carry them through any difficulties, any circumstances, any situation in life. Guys, could you put this up here? Thank you. There may be a father in the house today who might say, I, met, I, I, I messed up miserably. All of those things that you just spoke about, I don't see myself doing those things. I haven't done those things. Well, guess what? There's still time. For many years, Jacob was a trickster. Jacob did a lot of wrong things, but then he met God at Bethlehem. And his whole life was changed. And from that point on, he was called Israel. Abraham wasn't a man of faith when he first started. As a matter of fact, he was a man of fear. He lied about his own wife. So there's still time. There's still opportunity, men. If you feel like, hey, I haven't measured up. I want to pray with you today. I want to give you an opportunity to release what God says you are. To call you into your destiny. Not to look at your shortcomings. So right now, if that's you, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. Take a moment. Be honest with yourself. As they're singing this song.
our Father here today. Do you feel like I haven't even come close to measuring up to those attributes? But you're willing and you're wanting. Our Father is a Father of restoration. So if that's you, with every eye closed, I want you to just slip up your hand. If there's anyone here today, with every eye closed, if you feel like you want to be a father that loves, a father who counsels, a father who releases wisdom, a father who has the willingness to forgive, a father who is able to discipline, a father who leads, a father who provides, Maybe you feel like having the pain. If you're here today, I want you to lift up your hand. That's you. say that I had pain for these things, but I kept on seeking after the Father. I kept coming after Him, and God in His infinite wisdom and His infinite mercy and His grace was able. So, that hand, if your hand was up, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to come forward. but he gets up. There's no shame in admitting because we have a father of restoration. We have a father that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what we would ask for things. So right now, I have to have a couple of leaders pray with these men. Pray for them. And in a few moments, what we're going to ask to do is we're going to ask the families to gather together. Because one of the most important things for a father to do is to release blessings upon his children. So our children will be coming in in a moment. Somebody could let them know. We want our children to come. We want wives together with their husbands. And if you don't have a father here, you're not left out. Because you can come and join with myself, or Marvis, or Frank, or one of us. And we want to pray for you. We want to release a blessing. I'm asking all the fathers that are here today, if your child is here today, I want you to release a blessing. If your child is here, I want you to get, there, get together with them. And I want you to release a blessing. Blessing of the Lord over them. 
because it's so crucial and it's so critical. So I'm just waiting for our children to come in. Then I'm going to ask you to gather together. I'm going to ask the fathers to release a blessing of their children. But then I'm going to ask the children and the mothers to pray encouragement and grace over the fathers. And that's how we're going to end our service today. We're going to end in families gathering together. You don't have children here, fathers. I want you to get with your spouse. She's here. I want you to pray with them. You can still speak a blessing. So our children are coming. So you can begin to gather together those families that are here right now. Over everybody that 